0: Okay, so tonight we're going to continue with Das Tair, which is Rabbi Rucham Lovavitz, the great Miram Ashkiach's Sefer on Chumash. And we're going to discuss a very interesting piece on page Reish Chavches, on the Pasuk of Ki if a person steals a a shar or a set, if you steal either an ox or a donkey, so Chamisha... The Pasuk says that there is five times. You have to pay what's called dalad vehey. Dalad vehey is that you have to pay four or five times the amount of the, of the animal that you stole, depending on whether or not it's a shar or it's a seh. A shar you would have to pay assuming with certain conditions that you were Tavach Machar, but without getting into the actual nitty-gritty of the halacha, but just know that, like, we know there's a concept called kefel, that you have to, a Ghanib has to pay double. There's another knas called dalad veheh for a shar or a set, depending on the type of animal. So a shar, you pay five times the amount if you did it or you sold it, and four times for a set. If you look in Rashi... Amr Abiyechen and Benzakai Zakei Chas Hamakim Al Kaved and Shelbriais Hakadosh is very merciful and very uh, sensitive to the covered of human beings. Sharsha Hilch Beraglav Viliness Baza By Haganav Lenaisai Aksefi Meshalim Hey Picture in your mind, you have a, a huge axe. Okay, an ox is not something that any human being can pick up easily or at all. So you have a, uh, an ox. So imagine if you're a Ghana, and you're sneaking out of somebody else's property with an ox. Now, you have to schlep that ox. You're not carrying it on your back. As a result of that, so you only have to pay, you have to pay five times for that because you didn't go through any embarrassment as opposed to four times. As opposed to a seh, a sheep, how, to, how would you sneak a sheep out of somebody else's field? You would put it on your shoulders. And so therefore the Torah only makes you pay four times the amount for a seh. Why? Because you had to go, as a ganif. you had to go through a certain amount of embarrassment. It's embarrassing to be schlepping around an animal on your shoulder as opposed to a seh, which is not embarrassing, it's bakavadik, you, you just pull it out, there's no option of schlepping it. So the, the, the shame that you may have suffered by the seh is not the same shame as you're suffering at all by the shar. So therefore, for an ox, you pay a full five times, but by a seh, we deduct some of that embarrassment that you have to go through, and you only have to pay four times. Now, that's the end of Rashi. So Rabbi Rucham, with, uh, with his great perception, sees Rashi in a very interesting... It's a Rabbi Azag, it's a Chazal. But he sees this in a, with a very unique view. Ma'lam Bidvarim. He says it's amazing and it's mind-boggling if you stop and analyze what's going on over here. <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about a dayan or a, or a group of dayanim that are passing a shailah, and we want to know how much does a person have to pay who stole a shah or a set. <laughs> so we're trying to throw the book at a gana for what he did. <laughs> Would any judge in the world start factoring in a up? I mean, this is a ganiv. This uh, obviously is a low life. He's a guy that had no, you know, no, no conscience whatsoever before he went into somebody else's property and stole the, the shahr. So what difference does it make? I'm a judge. I have to do what I... You know, I can only see what I see. And when Misa, they had the chutzpah to go in. If anyone ever was... Uh, Anyone ever like go through, uh, like maybe your car was broken into, or your home, chas or anyone have that ever? No. But if you, I used to have my car, when I lived in Brooklyn, my car was broken into a mamish once a week. I had like a ganab yaymi, came out, like it was, uh, you know, and I'd have like a, in the olden days they had a stereo that you took out of the car with you, it was called a benzi box. So, you know, you, because you have to take it out because you, you know, otherwise people would steal it. So, um, so then I would start getting lazy. I'd put it under the seat and every time I put it under the seat, they saw it. They had a way of like looking into the car somehow. I'd come back to my car. The windows would be broken or one window would be broken and, and the, the benzene box was gone. I left it in my trunk. They would figure out that they would smell it. And it's very, it's very violating, you know, you feel like very violated by the fact that somebody comes into your property. So if let's say you're, you're a guy that has been constantly, um, that has been constantly broken into, and people have gone and and stolen your shah or seh, and now the the judgment has to be issued, like, what do we do with this ganiv? Well, we have to, we have to make sure that he pays the price. He went, he shefted, he took my animal, he shefted it or he sold it. So would you ever think, oh, wait a minute. He had to go through a little bit. Who cares? He's a Ghanav. A Ghanav, you're worried about the Ganev's busha? Did the Ganev think about my busha? Do you think about how upsetting I would be because of you know, the violation that I would feel for having somebody come into my car, come into my house, take my uh, stuff? take my... Take? He wasn't sensitive to me, but yet the Torah is telling you that for some reason, you're expected, when you're passing the Shiloh, the Dain is expected to take into a factor in what type of animal it was, because with one animal, there is less busha, that's a shar. he walked out very balabatish, and when it comes to a se, he had to, he had to put it on his shoulder to get this animal out, so he suffered a little bit of busha, okay, we're going to deduct that, let me deduct That shouldn't be the owner's husband. That shouldn't be the owner's husband like the guy was getting stolen from him, because the guy, he's getting reimbursed four times what the cell was worth in the first place. Right. Regardless. Right. Oh a shark okay, he's getting reimbursed five times. It's not his husband, it's the third judgment to me. Oh, oh, he's 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 doing this, oh he's doing that. Okay, fine. But regardless, he's getting reimbursed, let's say the cell was fifty bucks, he's getting two hundred bucks. Right. That's true. I understand so, that you're a thousand percent right. But it's still fascinating, says Rabbi Rucham, that, albeit he's getting reimbursed, the owner of the Shar, but it, isn't it interesting that the Torah, going into the Torah's mind, Kaviachal, to understand the Torah seeing a difference between whether or not the Ganev was embarrassed or wasn't embarrassed, like, is that really something that we would, a normal die-in would factor in? Obviously not. It's not, no one thinks like that. He, he brings a great mushel. He says, "Umagam If you'd ask the ganav, he himself doesn't even realize, you know, that he had to undergo busha for this. Would you think it's normal if a judge says, you know what, okay, you owe, you know, we're going to fine you, we we would normally fine you, uh, you know, $1,000 because you broke into somebody's house. But you did have to schlep that ladder, you know, to break into the window uh, on the second floor. So for the schlepping of the ladder, and you might have, you know, been a little nervous that you would get caught, and, you know, with the the cameras, okay, we'll make it $800 for you. What do you mean? (laughs) This is... Who, who thinks this way? This is not a normal human way of judging things. It's not. It's just not. You, you're, a ganiv is a ganiv. I don't, do I care if the ganiv nebuch had to like, you know, be nervous or he had to be suffer in indignation? Who are we talking about here? We're talking about a guy that had no problem breaking into my house. I don't care whether or not he had to suffer a bush. He should, a should suffer more Busho. The guy came into my house, and, uh, you know, we, we had this summer, we had uh, a guy try to break into the house. Um, my daughter was uh, downstairs, and she was uh, looking out the window for a second. All of a sudden, she sees some guy, like, pass right by the window, going to the back of the house or whatever, and she calls, she wakes me up, she calls the cops. The cops it was like, you know, they, didn't, they took like 20 minutes to come. I mean, Hatzalah should become cops, because, I mean, they have shamrim, but whatever, but but there's there's no they don't, they didn't come they don't care, and then they did come, and they really they knew who the guy was, even, and they just like couldn't care less, but you know for many, many months, you know many of my children were like traumatized they couldn't sleep at night because there was you know they were afraid that somebody was going to break into, that. so we have to take into Heshman the Ghanas busha, the Ghana for a se he had to who cares like the guy's a he's a crook he's a he's a you know he's he, he, He's like the, the lowest form of humanity. And, and why would the Tyra be so concerned about his busha? Like, why? What? Oh, the guy that... Yeah, that, I'm, I'm referring to that same story. What? Yeah, good, good. You know, I don't get out that often, so if I have one good story, I have to like keep on mentioning it. Okay. So, um... I mean, just to, as, a, as a footnote to that story, uh, we actually did call a rim, and they caught the guy the next night, and they called the cops. So I, did I go with you? And we went to, uh, we went to Main Street. It was like by, uh, by uh, Bravo's Pizza over there, I think. And they got the guy. He was like wearing the same exact thing as he was, the, you know, a day or two before. And there was another from guy that was also, you know, waiting to ID the guy. So I, I said, oh, you go ahead. I said, you know, by the way, what did he do to you? Like, he, to me, he tried to break in, but Hashem, he did What did he do to you? He says, we came home from Shabbos, and, uh, you know, we were away by my in-laws or whatever, my kids, and then we, you know, we heard somebody in our, in our bedroom, and we went in. He was sleeping in my bed guy's sleeping in my bed so like you know it's 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 very violating like imagine having a guy sleeping in your bed <laughs> like for me i just like the guy passed by my window we have him on camera so that that was like a big deal for us but like you know imagine coming home finding this guy sleeping I, it happened to me once on in my office i went on matzai shabbos um right after abdallah I, I i had to take a safe or something from my office so i went up with my older son and uh and i used to have a cot In my office because I used to you know be commuting from Brooklyn or whatever when we used to live there and I came up and all of a sudden there was like one of the security guards was sleeping in my office it was like you don't even want to know like well you know I was so like whatever I threw the cot out and um and that was the first thing I did and then but I didn't want to get him fired because I first of all I thought he'd come back and kill me and besides for that you know I just didn't want to get him fired but then he did the same thing to Rabbi Sachs. Rabbi Sachs caught him on his, in his couch, on his office, and then he, fi- he had him fired, I think. But um, it's very violating, you know, you feel like really like, you know, it's scary. People have no, and, and it's just getting worse. Like, it's just, there's no, there's no mishpat. So sometimes, you know, you feel like if a guy did that to you, you want him to have the full, uh, throw the book at the guy. Like, like whatever remains of the ju- judicial system, like, give it to him. Like, what do you, we're, we're concerned about the sad that he had to schlep it, like, Nebuch, like, uh, he, he was schlepping my sad. The guy sleeping in the bed, like, goes off scot-free, right? Yeah. Super embarrassed. Yeah, right, he goes, Right. right. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, so he says like this. Haliza rum madregas hasat rahamim, tachnashamma So he says this is the Tyra's version of Mishpat. Our version of Mishpat is not this way. Our version of Mishpat is if somebody does something really bad, you gotta throw the book at him. If a guy murders, you gotta, you know, throw lock him up for life. If a guy uh, breaks into your house, sleeps in your bed or whatever, like you know, get you know, throw him behind bars for a good ten years. The Torah doesn't look at it that way. The Torah is constantly mixing Mishpat with Chesed. Hakrishparhu is the Kalyokal and he, you know, we're not judging it or we're not expected to judge it based on our own personal human uh, way of reacting to crime. But th- we have to uh, try to train ourselves to understand it through the Torah's vision. And the Torah tries to intersperse chemla and chanina together with mishpat. That's what mishpat is. Vine mishpat mavis, Ela, in the Torah's version of Mishpat, you have to factor everything in. Vigam oid bohem and knock off a fifth of the, of the punishment. Sesh and nysaq arba. Yes, you do have to factor that in. We might not think you do. It sounds to us maybe ludicrous, but the Torah is teaching us something that when you are, when you are adjudicating a, uh, a crime, you have to be able to factor in the human, uh, pity. The sympathy that you have to have for a person that had to suffer some shame in the process. This is mishpat hashem. This is the definition of ve'elam mishpatim. This is our parsha this week. Ve'elam mishpatim. We're supposed to you know, a lot of this parish is very difficult because it's very, it's all, you know, Bava Kamam, Bava Metziah, it's all, you know, Nizakin and uh, and Ivri, Evet Knani, all of these things that are, it's not, you know, we're out of the out of the Avis department now, and, you know, we, we, it's like this is really the meat and potatoes of, of Taira. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, we should just look at the Neshbatim as just being a very uh, cold, Judicial parsha. There's so much warmth to it. And this is a great example of how you find, like Musr, in the, in the Mishpat of Hashem, that we don't see it this way, but Akrishparchow explains to us how we should see Mishpat. In the first thread of Mishpat, we already see woven the Tzedakah and the Chesed. That's much higher than we can comprehend. It's mishpat, but it's sedaka. It's hand-in-hand. It's HaKadosh Baruch is saying, yes, you have to dispense mishpat. You have to have justice. If you don't have justice, then it's a Hefker belt. It's like, it's anarchy. You have to have Dayanim, and you have to have Shaiftim, and, and, and you have to have people, Shaitrim, are, that are taking care of business and making sure that society operates as well as it could possibly be, but at the same time, you have to have a, a, a part of you when you're being done that also has eyes to, towards the human factor. Lameisa the guy had to It seems like something that we shouldn't factor, in, but you have to factor. Nachshavachu is saying that even when you are judging, you have to always have tzedakah and chesed interwoven in the mishpat. A Dayan that's just cruel, that just like looks at everything by the book without factoring in that—that's not a Dayan. That's, in that might be a, ga- a Dayan in the gayish world, but in the Jewish world, a Dayan has to have an eye towards sympathizing with even the worst criminal. That's how Akedat looks at us. Sometimes we do things that are pretty bad. We are—we sin, and, and and we're expecting Akedat Shemarcho to meet out. If we have to have justice, but at least have Rachmanis in us, have Chesed, understand where we're coming from, right? Isn't that what we do in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur, we're saying, I know that I did this and I did that, but I, you know, it was very difficult for me. I grew up in a certain way and I have a lot of stress and I have this and that. We expect HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, when he's dispensing his Mishpat, to do it with Chesed, to do it with Rachmanim, to have our, our own you know, factors on the forefront of the din. We don't want it, to, if it's pure din, we're not going to be able to make it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, I'm, I dispense din that way, and I expect you to, as Dayanim, you also have to dispense Mishpat in the same way. You have to look for factors that may be able to reduce the crime, reduce the sentence, and, and try as hard as you can to look at these people not as uh, miscreants not as uh, subhumans but as human beings that stumbled and fall fell and maybe they had a reason maybe they uh, you know they had to uh, you know they had the, the, the death that they had was overwhelming and they had no other choice. You have to have eyes towards having some you know some degree of uh, you know keep thinking like a bleeding heart liberal like you have to be a little bit liberal but a little bit conservative also. You have to make sure to keep the din a din and you can't like be callous but you can't be uh, you have to be liberal, but you can't be too liberal either. You have to have din as well. So you have to find that balance between Mishpat and sedaka, and, and, and if you could to try to fuse those two things together in order to make sure that the din as closely resembles the way Akri meets out Din as possible. And you know, there's a, a famous var from Rabbi Sol Salanter, the great father of the Muslim movement. There's a pasuk that says, HaTzur Tamim Paoloi. The Tzur is HaKadosh Baruch. He's the rock. The Tzur is Tamim Whatever he does is perfect. Kichol Durocha of Mishpat. Because everything that he does is Mishpat. Kel emuna Vein Avel. Whatever he does, there's no avlan. There's no, there's no misjustice. Everything is proper. Sadik v'yashar. He said, Tzadik v'yashar. So, Rabbi Sol Sander says the following. He says, what does it mean that Hatsur Taman is perfect in Din and Sadiq v'yashar? Is, is, is it Mishpat or is it Sadaka? So, he sort of says this, but he says it in a fascinating way. He says that when a human judge has a person in front of him, let's say a person did a, a horrible crime, let's say he murdered somebody or he murdered many people, and now this guy is in front of me in, in, in the courtroom. Now, I have to judge him by what he did, right? That's what the jury and, and the judge or whatever, in a, in a Geisha court or in, in, a, you know, in a Jewish court, you would just have the Dayanim sit and we have to paskin dininefashis and see what he did. And we have Edim and we have everything, make sure that it's beyond a reasonable doubt that this guy is for sure the guy who, who committed the crime. Once we've proven... We have Edom, and everyone says that Reuven killed Shem, and then we have to go by the book. We have to say, okay, he's Chayev skelo, he's Chayev uh, Herak, chenek, whatever it is, for the crime that he committed. We have to do that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not like that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu factors in a lot of factors that we can't really, as normal human beings, we're not able to, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu does. So, for example, he'll say like this. He'll see... If let's say I kill, who's thinking like this? If let's say I kill this guy, this guy let's say was mechalal Shabbos, so I should take his life. But I I know that if I take his life, then that would mean that his wife and his uh, and his children would now have to suffer because the wife would now be an almana and the children would be isaimim, and now she's not going to be able to have a Parnassah because he died. And the children aren't going to have somebody, you know, to raise them as, uh, and and things are going to get all messed up. So because of that, Akedas Shparcho, being the tzor tamim pali, he's so perfect in then that he factors in the family and the people, the circle of friends and people. How will it affect them now? If the wife, you know, is not such a tzaddik as herself, and the kids are not tzaddikim either, so then he could sometimes take them away, and uh, and he understands that by doing so, albeit there will be ramifications for the wife and the children, but he made a cheshpan and he said that, okay, they deserve to suffer as well for whatever reason, and, and that's the way it is. But if, let's say, they don't, HaKadosh is not going to take his life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu factors in so many things that a human being can't factor in. It's impossible. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides, should I put this guy to death or not, he doesn't say, okay, well, let's see. Uh, you know, he was mechal shavas b'shoyeg. You know, whatever this and that. Uh, you know, there were no edim, but he did it amazing. So we're going to kill him. No, Hakadosh doesn't pass him that way. He only will pass in somebody Lamisa or for any any Does he deserve uh You know, to become poor. Well, if he becomes poor, then that's going to affect his wife. It's going to affect the yeshiva that he was supporting. It's going to affect Hakadosh so Baruch Hu. Can keep all of the all of the pieces of the puzzle in front of him and know if it's going to be, you know, if he passes this way, how is the ripple effect going to affect people that, do they deserve it as well? Do they also deserve, For sometimes the whole circle of friends deserve to be punished in different ways, like I okay, I'm going to take him or I'm going to punish him in a certain way that will... That will affect many people, but very often, a says, no, I'm not going to punish him because if I punish him, won't be fair to her, it won't be fair to the kids, won't be fair to the, to the parents. A human being can't really do that. A human being, we, we don't have the ability. We're going to start, every single guy coming before us, we're going to have to, you know, find out whether his wife, whether his kids, whether his aunt, whether, you know, how it's going to, we, we don't have that capacity. So when it comes to at least being a fascist, we have to put a person to death if he deserves to be put to death. That's just, we don't have that choice. The Torah doesn't give us the uh, you know the, the 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 ability to to have extra sympathy, beyond, unless you're unless you're not sure, obviously, that the guy killed him. But if you're if you could prove that Reuven killed Shimon, then you you have to put him to death. That's the halacha in But Hakadosh Baruch Hu operates in a different way. But when it comes to the name Mammonis, Hakadosh Baruch Hu himself is saying to us. Through, the, through this halacha, that, you know, it seems to be a very cut and dry halacha, doesn't seem too exciting, Dalad V'Heh, as soon as you hear Dalad you probably hearken back to those days in Yeshiva that you learned about Kevon Dalad and your eyes start getting very heavy. But that's, there's a lot of juice to Dalad V'Heh. We just learned the whole night tonight how Dalad Vehey is not a dry halacha. Dalad V'Heh, there's a lot of warmth, there's a lot of, of compassion in the halacha of Dalad V'Heh. Dalad v'hei teaches us that HaKadosh is saying to the Dayanim you have to factor in at least with Dinah Mamanis, you have to factor things in you can't be cold hearted you can't just take out the, the book and say okay you did this and therefore you have to pay that you see from this halacha that when you can be compassionate in Din you have to when you can find ways of, of understanding the person, why did he do this crime, and why, how could he, what caused him to do it, and how much did he take, and how much, maybe if he had to take a, a, a ladder, maybe that should be factored in. It doesn't seem normal in a, in American or in British jurisprudence. It seems like something that's wacky, maybe because it's like, who cares? It's a, it's a if we're talking about. But Hakashbashu looks at every person as a neshama. Everybody has a, has an a chelak al Hamimal, and there is a reason for people doing things. That's the reality. You can't say that if uh, if let's say uh, um, you know an American law, a white collar crime gets off a lot easier than a you know than a blue collar crime. If a guy is like a if a guy steals a billion dollars but he does it through a, you know a Ponzi scheme, sometimes you know the guy we will give him like 2 years maybe tops, you know, in certain cases. But if a guy you know breaks into a into a, a you know a convenience store and steals uh steals some shampoo, then oh we have to send him to Rikers Island for a couple of years. Like that's the way it is. The tyrus says the opposite. The tyrus says no. If a person stole you know, a, a billion dollars from people, that's, you know, that's a significant act of Geneva, and, and he didn't need it. He was living very well without it. He was just doing it for you know, to more typhus and more gashments. So he would you know, he would be considered a much more... Uh, that's not a white-collar crime. That's a disgusting crime. A guy that maybe was forced to break in and steal shampoo because his wife was going crazy. He didn't have shampoo at home because he lost his job or whatever. That's maybe it would be, have to fact, be factored in in the Tyra's view. So, you know, it's a hard thing in life. We have, to have, we have to have din. Din, mishpat, is very important. Without mishpat, we have anarchy. And we saw what happened, I don't remember anymore, if it was last summer, two summers ago, but there was, uh, you know, you see like when, when there's anarchy in the streets, it's the, it's the scariest thing. Yeah, they break into stores, and they. I remember seeing videos of people like jumping in, in like a, a car dealership. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but like people were jump, remember, they were jumping on cars, like brand new, beautiful cars. They're just like jumping, breaking the windows, breaking the hoods, like with that, like complete FKRs. You can't have a, a society function that way. That's impossible. So there's definitely a, you know, law and order is very important to be, you know, very behind the police and making sure that there's there's police and there's judges and there's rule of law. Very, very. It's, 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 it's basic to any functional society. You need that. But at the same time, if you get too crazy in, in terms of like, okay, he's a criminal, we have to throw it. Not always. You have to factor in the Dalai aspect. You have to say, wait a minute, this is a human being. He has, he has feelings. There's something that happened that caused him to gain it. And we have to understand them a, a drop. Not to the degree that you should you know, say everybody goes free. But you have to understand where he's coming from. What did he have to go through to get here? And, and can we understand him? Can we maybe rehabilitate him? That's what evedivri is all about. That's the first halacha in uh, in in in, in parashat mishpatim. Who's an evedivri? An evedivri is a guy who uh, who had to. He was uh, either nimka b'gnev or he was in debt, and we, we sell him as a slave. And 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 you have to treat the slave very well. It's an evedivri. You have to treat the other everywhere. The pasuk says that im That whatever you, have, if you're if you're having steak for dinner, you can't throw, a, you know, throw, a, you know, throw him, a, you know, some some old bread. You have to give him steak. You have sushi for dinner. He has to get sushi. And and if there's only one steak in the fridge, guess who gets it? He gets it over you. The balabas has to eat cereal that night, and the slave gets to eat the steak. If you buy an Ebed Ivri, be careful. It's like you're buying a master for yourself. And you wonder, like, what's going on? I, I, you know, that's not my concept of a slave. My concept of a slave is a guy that... But the Torah doesn't want that. The Torah is not looking to... Uh, the Torah wants to rehabilitate people. The Torah says, listen, this guy, he had to steal Nebuchad or He, you know, he had, it was in, deep in Chaybeth, so he sold himself. But the point isn't to make him feel little and small and petty like a slave. The point is to try to stand him up on his feet again and make sure that hopefully he, he learned his lesson. And now when he's finished with his six years of abdus, he'll go out, he'll go back to his family and, and live like a normal, a normal life. And when he doesn't, and he says, no, I want a haftiya sadeni, he likes it there in jail, that's also not good. You have to bore his ear because uh, you know, you're not we don't want you to be an evid. We want you to get out and be a, a functional human being. But you see the Torah has like some very interesting lessons in this parish. It's not a boring parish at all. There's a lot of of compassion, there's a lot of, of empathy and sympathy for even the, the, the most hardened criminals. And it's a, I think it's a very important lesson for us in life in general, even with our within our own Circles, you know, sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes people make mistakes. They, 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 whatever the mistakes may be. I mean, sometimes people have sticky fingers and they take things, you know, and you catch them and, you know, or they didn't have permission and they, you know, we want to right away, you know, get very, very judicial against them. But sometimes you have to, to, you know, to call off the dogs a little bit and try to understand where they came from and try to have Rahmanis and, uh, and rehabilitate the guy to a certain degree if it's possible. And, you know, and not automatically judge the person in a, in a very severe way, just because he might, and he might be totally guilty, but there has to be some compassion in the mishpat. Just pure mishpat for the sake of mishpat is not what the Rebbe Shalom wants. Benjamin wants Mishpat, but tzedakah has to be infused into the Mishpat. If it's not if it's just mishpat, it's not a Hu's law. That's maybe in Saudi Arabia and, you know, very strict countries where you steal something, they cut your hand off. And you know, that's not what the tire. that's not the tire. The tira wants us, at least Badine Mamanis, to have Rahmanis to the degree that we can. Also, like you said before, it's a stiff crime. I mean, it's a stiff penalty. You gotta pay four or five times. That's not a small thing. I stole a shard, it's a thousand dollars shard, Now I got to find, you know, five thousand bucks to to pay this guy back. It's not so simple. So the Torah is very strict in a certain way, but at the same time, don't lose your heart when you're when you're when you're meeting out judgment and justice to people. There has to be at the same time a warmth and a sympathy and a compassion. And then when we hopefully have both of those, we'll be able to get the right balance to be able to give over the mishpat as the Torah expects us to.